country of Indonesia. Do they like me in Indonesia? 100% confident Indonesia will prevail. Hello and welcome to Talking Indonesia. My name is Gemma Purdy. Last month, Time magazine published its annual list of the 100 most influential people for 2021. Under the category of pioneers, alongside pop star Billie Eilish, was an Indonesian scientist from Gajamari University. Professor Adi Utarini, or Bu Uut, as she is known to her colleagues, is Professor of Public Health and Head of the Eliminate Dengue Project, based at the Faculty of Medicine at Universitas Gajamada, and run in collaboration with the World Mosquito Program. Last year, her team published the results of its 10-year-long study, including a three-year randomised controlled trial, to test the effectiveness of Wolbachia bacteria in mosquitoes to prevent the spread of dengue. Dengue affects almost 400 million people annually and is described by the World Health Organization as one of the 10 greatest threats to world health. In Indonesia each year, an estimated 7 million people are infected and it accounts for over 3,000 deaths annually. The findings of the research led by Professor Adi were described by the WHO and others in the field as a breakthrough in the fight to eliminate dengue and potentially other mosquito-borne viruses. The World Mosquito Program labelled this as the gold standard in its efforts to control dengue. How did Professor Adi and her team at the University of Gajamada carry out this large multi-year research study? What did they discover? And does this bring us a step closer to eliminating dengue? Welcome, Professor. Thank you so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations, Professor Adi, on all of the accolades that are coming for you and your team for this wonderful research that you've been doing and the breakthroughs you've had, which we're going to talk about. So first of all, would you mind telling us a little bit about dengue, which the WHO has described as one of the 10 greatest threats to the world's health. I wondered if you could just describe for us the scale of the problem of dengue in Indonesia. What are the social, economic costs as well as health costs? Sure, Gemma. Well, first of all, thank you for the appreciation. And it, it really goes to the whole team for the work that has been quite long now. About dengue in Indonesia, well, it has existed for quite long now. We had the first case in 1968. And if we look at the, how many people are uh, affected by dengue, I think, first of all, I would like to say that most of the areas in Indonesia has dengue, though, of course, with different burden. So, and in terms of the uh, socioeconomic costs, I think some colleagues have been uh, making effort to calculate the cost of dengue illness. And it really, the figures was quite surprising, I would say. Why is it surprising? Because if I compare the 
national cause of dengue per year, the figure came out around more than $600 million. You know, this, this is a fantastic number. And if we compare to the what's the cost of malaria, for example, per year, uh, this would be like uh, three to five times higher, actually, than the cost of malaria program every year. Now, this, I think, would create an interest because we know that malaria is, well, more attractive, so to say, for the global community compared to, compared to dengue. And socially, I think the, the people, I would say they are, are quite familiar with dengue, yeah? particularly when the rain comes, then usually the people are more cautious about dengue in the community. And of course, the opportunity cause when they are hospitalized and they are not able to work and, and people have to support, the women have to support the people in the community, then, then it, it comes the social cause, particularly also with the possibility to transmit the transmission of dengue in the local community. That's giving us a sense of how it is so endemic and has those impacts across the economy. And that's extraordinary about malaria versus dengue and the higher cost. So maybe we can get to your work. But first of all, I would love to know how your centre or where you are at the University at Gajamada, how you came to be part of this international research program, the Eliminate Dengue Project. How, how did it come to Jogjakarta? Yeah, well, Jogjakarta, in terms of the burden of dengue, is usually top five in the <laughs> in the country, unfortunately. Yeah, especially if we present the figure in terms of incidence, because the population of Jogjakarta is not so big, a bit over 3 million population. So uh, this will end up with a certain case of dengue. We are, uh, last year, we are number three in the country for, for dengue. So Jogjakarta is important, uh, yet we know also that Jogjakarta from the tourism point of view is popular also, though we know maybe Bali is more popular, but Jogjakarta is actually the second tourist destination. And why we became to involve in this project is apart from the dengue burden and also a very good relationship between the university and the government of Jogjakarta province and the researchers in Jogjakarta, but also because Monash and Tahia Foundation have tried to identify potential sites where, you know, there's an institution, government relations, uh, researchers all, all come in one. So Jogjakarta was selected as a research site at, at that time. Right. So all those elements coming together to make Jogjakarta a perfect centre with the right mix of scientists, institutions, and then the site, as you say, the dengue burden being there. And plus the society, Gemma, I think the people in Jogjakarta have relatively high education and actually a quite good health status. So meaning that with high ed education, they are more open towards innovation, a new approach of doing things. And culturally, this is also reflected in many, uh, in many of the communities with their empowered activities. 
I'll get to that in a moment because I know that community is so important in this, but we've got to tell everyone now what is this breakthrough that we're talking about. Can you talk us through what you and your team and the team of of scientists internationally have discovered? Yeah, so this work is a collaboration between UGM and then we have Monash University, which more often we call it now the World Mosquito Program Global. And then here in Yogyakarta, the work is funded by Tahia Foundation, an Indonesian family. So our work was um, trying to show what is the efficacy of Wolbachia. So I guess many people now already heard about uh, Wolbachia. Yeah? Well, if I, if I start with the technology of, of Wolbachia, and this is the part where researchers, colleagues in Monash University have invested their time on this. So uh, Wolbachia is a natural occurring bacteria which exists in most of the insects. About 60% of the insects actually have Wolbachia. However, unfortunately, this Ides aegypti mosquito, the mosquito who transmit dengue virus, doesn't have Wolbachia in it. So the first innovation was to actually how to make Wolbachia present in this mosquito of Ides aegypti. So that work itself was completed by colleagues in, at Monash University. And in the lab work, it was found that once Wolbachia was in the mosquito, Aedes aegypti mosquito, they are able to suppress the dengue virus replication in the mosquito in a way that when the mosquito bites human beings, the load of dengue virus would be very low that it is unlikely to transmit the dengue virus to human beings. So that was the innovation. And then it's more of a question of how do we bring this to the people? Because Mm. the work in the laboratory was done, but of course, it's another big question on how to make this available to the people and being able to implement this in the community side. Because essentially, so you're talking about a program of breeding a certain mosquito that carries the Wolbachia that won't transmit dengue. That doesn't sound like an attractive proposition to a community that you say, oh, we're going to bring you some new mosquitoes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we have a special gift. Uh, What? Mosquito. What? (laughs) That's that's probably the, the first reaction. But but the breeding mosquito is uh, is also not as simple as just breeding the mosquitoes because uh, this is the our entomology team. They've been working on how to make this mosquito with Wolbachia as similar as possible uh, with all the characteristics uh, physically, genetically, and all, so that the local mosquitoes will be uh, mating with them. Because this needs to happen, and this actually is how we try to make the existing mosquitoes in the population, most of the mosquitoes have Wolbachia in it. Yeah, so it takes a lot of work also before we finally breed these mosquitoes and then let it go or we release it in the community. 
Yes, I've been to the lab in Bulak Sumur in Jogjakarta. I've seen the painstaking process that your team goes through where they're peering into their microscopes and separating the male and female mosquito. <laughs> exactly. It's tedious work. It's very mm. tedious work. It, yes. it was a lot of patience and, and passion, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then then so that you have some of these mosquitoes, you have the eggs, and then you need to go to the community and release the mosquitoes. So how do you convince, how do you engage with the community? How do you yeah. get them involved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's another big question. It's so exciting in a way because the current understanding of the community, I mean, this is a general understanding is that you have to get rid of the mosquitoes, you know, <laughs> uh, as, as much as you can. So, of course, before we actually release these mosquitoes, we need to fulfill two basic requirements. And number one, this is things that we must have is the acceptance from the community. Yeah. A high acceptance from the community and also their understanding. And that, that, that reflects their understanding of the community. And secondly, also the same with the government. We need to make sure that the government really give a blessing for this and that they understand this intervention because of course, in any innovation, it carries some risk also. So the risk also needs to be understood by the community and by the government. So actually, long before we release the mosquitoes, a bit more than a year, we started talking to the community about dengue, you know, understanding how they feel about the disease, uh, what's their observation, uh, how they see it in the community, whether this is a disease which is important to them or not. So that's, that's our starting point. And then the next step is we talk about how is the disease transmitted. So the role of the mosquitoes, the role of the virus, dengue virus, this we need to understand with them to what extent they understand the mosquitoes' behavior in the community and how human interacts with the mosquitoes. And only after that, then we try to explain to them that what we are fighting is actually the virus which inside the mosquito body. So this is what we are aiming for because the cause of the dengue is the virus. So in that way, I think step by step, the community began to see, okay, this is what the intervention is, is trying to do and this is the mechanism to make it work. With that understanding, then they are accepting the technology, but uh, of course, from time to time, we are also conscious in responding in their any of their questions, inquiries. Um. Yeah, because it's it's quite a leap from the idea that we need to kill the mosquito using insecticides to your team coming in and saying, no, actually, you need to let them breed. You need to protect the mosquitoes. Yeah, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are not saying that, uh, you know, please protect mosquitoes. We are not saying that because we, we, we need to put it in the context that mosquitoes are not just Aedes aegypti, right? There are many types of mosquitoes. So the general message is that clean environment, have less place where the mosquito could breed. You know, the, the general message uh, still applies. But on top of that, just for dengue, then we have this innovation. 
because we don't want the community to feel relaxed and feel that oh I don't want to kill mosquitoes because these mosquitoes has Wolbachia. That's that not the right context, I think. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. So we're still allowed to to kill a mozzie. That's good. Tell me a little bit more about the program because I, I remember when, when we visited in Jogja, your team, they had really fantastic community-focused outreach activities that were really engaging and fun. Yeah, yeah. Our approach in working with community is twofold. Yeah, uh, We are trying to bring the community closer to us, um, understanding what's this research about. And often that means some communities want to visit our lab, entomology lab, like, you know, when, when you came to visit us, the women health caterers, they come and see the lab by themselves. They come to see how we detect the wall back here. So, so they came to us and we, we always opened the door, but uh, vice versa. I mean, we're trying to get closer to them now. By saying get closer to them, that, that doesn't automatically translate it into that what we are talking is all the time Bolbahia and Dengue. No, because in Yogyakarta, there are many empowered communities, we call it. They have different focus of work. So what we were actually doing was we're trying to understand what are they doing in the community. They could have different activities. So involving in what they are doing. And then usually the conversation at the end of the day was, by the way, what are you doing? Yeah. So getting to know each other better in a way. And often we, we did uh, joint activities, helping them, whatever they are doing. So in a way, their, their interest to us is, well, hopefully more genuine in the way. Yeah, and ongoing, and you've and built ongoing exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's mm. fantastic. Mm. That's yeah. So tell us what you discovered. What we discovered, I think the most exciting part in this ten-year journey was the last phase, which we called the large-scale release, and this is when we want to determine exactly how effective is Wolbachia to reduce dengue. Because what we want as an outcome is to reduce dengue in the community. So in 2016, this is probably when, when you visited us, we work in Yogyakarta City. And then we divided the areas into what we call 24 clusters. 24 clusters with half of the clusters have uh, the intervention and half of the clusters as control areas. So how we divide this? Uh, we, we've done in the random way and it's interesting because uh, what we did was a public randomization. We cannot hide this intervention from the people because they will be getting these small buckets and some will not and some will get the buckets, right? So this cannot be blinded. So all this we did with their presence. So they know that this, the, the process is fair. And we follow, of course, the scientific rules and they know, okay, this area will get intervention and that area will not get the intervention. And then we uh, identified those with dengue suspects. We work in the primary healthcare, or we call it puskesmas, yeah? pusat kesehatan masyarakat, primary healthcare. And then we identified those with suspects, those who are eligible in this study, 
And if they are eligible, they wanted to participate, then we do some workups. Uh, up to at the end, we could identify whether they have dengue or not, virologically confirmed dengue or not. And once we know they have dengue or not, then we trace back where are they located, where is their home, whether it's in the area of Wolbachia or not, or in the control area. So in this way, at the end, we what we found was that the incidence of dengue in the Wolbachia-treated areas is 77% lower than dengue in the control area. And we think this is fantastic result. Um, yeah, lots of people think it's a fantastic <laughs> result. Seven <laughs> percent is is uh, higher than what we hypothesized. So really, uh, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, that's wow. And so the people in the control areas, do they now want to get their buckets? We did that uh, because, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, this is part of our accountability. So we actually launched the result last year around August. So what we did after that was to meet the social responsibility because now we know that it's effective. So we released Wolbachia in the control area and we completed that around December, January last year. So now... Yogyakarta city is uh, covered by mosquitoes with, with Wolbachia. Wow. So you'll be tracking that and seeing the rates of dengue in those places. Yeah, yeah. For us, it would be uh, exciting to see you know, what happens once the area is fully covered by Wolbachia and what would happen to dengue. Can we eliminate? That's another big question. Mm. Yeah. Can you eliminate? And so Jogjakarta is one of several sites internationally where right. the mosquito program's happening. Are other programs elsewhere similar to yours? Are they at a point yet where they can deliver their results? Yeah, I think at the moment, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, around 11 countries have this WMP global sites. But the first five countries that already released Mosquitoes is Australia was the first time, and then Vietnam, Indonesia, Brazil, and, and Colombia. So these are really the first five countries. And so far, I think what we learned from the evidence was that in those countries, also Wolbachia showed the ability to reduce reduce dengue. It's just that the numbers vary between the countries because of the size of the areas also vary, dengue uh, endemicity varies. And so, yeah, the evidence that we showed is, I think it's the highest, uh, most um, efficacy is in the Jogjakarta site. Yeah, wow. How about for other mosquito-borne viruses? We know that the Aedes aegypti also carry Zika and other viruses. Is this something you're also looking at? the potential elimination of those? Yeah, well, when we did the cluster randomized control trial, we used the acronym of ORT study, application of Wolbachia to eliminate dengue. We have a secondary objective, which is to look at how it affects chikungunya and Zika. So the primary objective is dengue reduction, but then we have the secondary objective of chikungunya and Zika. But in 
Indonesia Zika is uh, very low and in Yogyakarta we detected no Zika cases from the study and for chikungunya cases were very few uh, around four cases so in other words uh, what was concluded from the study was really how it affects dengue how it reduces dengue but i think the the work in brazil would be able to give this evidence because much more cases of zika there but there's potential for the science yeah the lab work have shown that that's potential also to reduce chikungunya and zika and yellow fever you mentioned how important the partnerships and relationships were between government as well as the university and the community all these different Tell us a little bit more about this. Is it a unique thing what you've produced here where you've got international collaboration, buy-in from government, buy-in from a private foundation that's supporting it and your university or is that happening other places in Indonesia? I think this is one of the luxury in in a researcher's life. <laughs> Having <laughs> no really really uh, I mean uh, you think it's a one-off? <laughs> Yeah, or maybe the only one, or maybe the only one. Uh, but I, I feel that this is this is a real luxury because if we think about from the philanthropy point of view, I think philanthropy supports um, health, especially in many different ways. Right? Uh, let's put it in generally like that. And to find a philanthropy who wants to invest in innovative research. I think that part is really the luxury also. They've been, you know, funding for for 10 years and when it's research that means it's always a risk that the result would not go as we wish. <laughs> Which it didn't happen <laughs> in this project. Yeah, but I think it involves a lot of generosity from the funding uh from the government also because uh you know, of course is thinking about the the risk you know they they i'm sure i'm sure they have in their head what if the people refuse what if the people make an action on that you know the what if part is the part that we need to consider of course so i would say we are very fortunate uh, <laughs> to be in jogjakarta with this atmosphere uh, around us yeah pretty extraordinary Adi, it feels like your discovery here, the work you've done, may have really positive impacts for science and scientific research across Indonesia. Is that something that you feel might come? Yeah, I think in in part of the dialogue that actually has been discussed for many years, if we meet with other researchers, was that. the support of multi years funding is important if we want to have more innovation coming from indonesia and sometimes you know there's there's a certain uh, administrative uh, it's 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 a tension between the administrative procedures and also the ability to provide this scheme of multiple years funding to researcher which what the researchers want <laughs> yeah sometimes sometimes But also, as you say, the willingness to back something that's a bit risky and that is innovative, yeah, so it sets yeah. A, such an exciting precedent for hopefully yeah. a further investment. 
Yeah, there there are many also uh, other other aspects that I think I myself also we as a team learn uh, when it comes to how we communicate the ideas to the people and when do we communicate to the public, whether we should wait till the end or whether we should talk as early as possible to the public about what's happening. And who should we talk to? How we talk to the media? Media has a lot of contribution also for bringing this idea to the public. So that is also something that we, I admit, I didn't learn that so much of science communication and how we communicate. So um, I think this is also one important lesson. Uh, yes, I think that you know from my interaction with your team, they seem extremely professional in that area, and it's a, all those learnings will get transferred to another generation and another generation of science communicators in Indonesia. On the on the issue of how you engage with the community and the government and everything, I'm assuming now because you did bring them along on the journey. Are they now experiencing like a great sense of pride and, you know, a little bit of sense of ownership of, of your success? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think from time to time, I hope I'm I'm correct to say that from looking at the responses, reactions, you know, following this appreciation, I think they are proud also that this is uh, coming from, you know, Jogjakarta, that they are very much part of this. And even to take that forward now, what we did after the research is that we really try to work together with the district level. So this is working with the district health office, how we can implement this through the dengue control program. So in other words, integrating this project into the current health programs. And then that has, has been um, exciting also. And this is like another another journey because we think in order to make it more applicable wider in Indonesia, one challenge would be how to work uh, together with the health offices. Mm. Yeah. And, and is there a plan for you to roll this out in other parts of Indonesia? Well, uh, now we work in the surrounding area of Jogja City. For these two years, we are working in Sleman district and Bantul district. And if you visit Jogjakarta again, this province, you would see a lot of women cadres in the community and bringing these buckets and to the uh, to the people, to the offices. It depends on the place. So they are such an empowered. Yeah, women caters and, and they are able to explain to the community how this technology works. Um, so this is the one step development that we are doing now. We basically work with the existing network in the community. So one of the large existing network in the community is the women caters, which they are taking care of basically health uh, in the community. They organize making sure that all the under fives are in good health, there are no nutrition problem, pregnant women. So they are the existing structure in the community. Right. And that, that works very well in Jogja as a province. So in Sleman, this is why we, we choose them. 
but it might be different in other areas. Yeah. So yeah, right. You mentioned the women, and so it was on my mind a little bit to ask you a question about women in science in Indonesia, and. When I was、uh, visiting your lab, I was struck by how many young women were there. What is the situation in Indonesia right now? Do you see a generation of young women coming through in science? Yes, I think now more and more girls、uh, in that age see、uh, science as one of the attractive career that they could build. And On the other side, also we see a lot of lecturers, professors, leaders, women leading universities and science institution. Which, of course, these two needs to be balanced. I mean, they are the ones that are motivating, so to say, the、uh, future. The role models, like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You have to be able to see it clearly. You are an amazing role model for them and for all scientists in Indonesia. And so, finally, is there anything else that's on the horizon for you and your team? Yeah. At the moment, because we have already the result reduction of seventy-seven percent, and now we are working on how to best deliver. This technology within the health programs generally, but I think for for the future, what we are doing is trying to disseminate the knowledge. So more of the transferring the knowledge to other provinces. Now we understand that to say that this technology would be or could be implemented in other areas would be a big step. But at least now, what we can do is、uh, making sure that the public in general, other areas, provinces in Indonesia, especially with high endemic for dengue, they learn about what we did and also the lessons that we have when implementing that in Jogja. So we hope that this transfer of knowledge, understanding of the project, how we did it, would would somewhat. Prepare them once the implementation of Volvakia technology is coming. Indeed, yeah, you've done all the groundwork. Well, all success for that next stage, and congratulations again, Ibu Adi, for this amazing work for you and your team. Thank you so much, Gemma. Thank you for the opportunity. It's、yeah. been lovely talking with you. That was Adi Utarini, professor in public health and project leader. Of Eliminate Dengue Project Jogjakarta, Faculty of Medicine, Universitas Gajamada. You'll find links to more information about the study and its findings on the Talking Indonesia blog. Talking Indonesia will return on the twenty-eighth of October. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog. Subscribe via iTunes so you'll never miss an episode, or find us via your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.